Hi out there. I'm Irene. I'm Aggie. And welcome to another episode of, of the, the experts. experts. We are going through the Conjuring universe. This is the third episode. It is about the Conjuring too. Yes. And I saw this movie like a week ago, I think, for this. Yeah, I think I watched it maybe about a week ago as well. Okay. So I couldn't wait. I was so I excited. Same. <laughs> but now I'm like kind of scared. I forgot some of it. No, it'll come right back. I was, um, before we hopped on mm. our Zoom, I did review the plot and I was like, okay, yes, I remember. I remember. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember the plot. Let me give it a quick Google. Why not? On the podcast, you're Googling what you're talking about. This is, is that okay? I mean, sure. I mean, I know what happens. Yeah, you've seen it more than once. I've seen it a million times. And like, even if I didn't, I would still know what happened because I just. You I have know. it in your bones. I will say that movies like this do give me a little bit of amnesia sometimes. Like after they're over, I really do have to kind of struggle to recall what happened. Like it all just sort of flashes before your eyes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can see a lot of things that are like that. Books, movies, the PG-13 horror genre in general is like this where it's like, I don't know. I'm not sure. This might've been our Conjuring one was, but where I will just watch it and think that was great and then no idea what happened I don't remember I don't know the names of the main characters I'm not 100% sure who was in it like I'm just fully done once it's done it's gone for a lot yeah in one ear out the other exactly um yeah I'm reading a book now that feels kind of like that like it's a really easy read and I'm enjoying reading it, but I know that I am just reading it to see like what happens in the story. Like I'm not gonna, I don't know what the main character's name is to your point. Like I actually, I just remembered, but I don't, I don't really think that a lot is going to stick with this book. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, sometimes it comes back. Like I just went camping or I didn't go camping. I was just telling you how I went to Joshua tree. I'm like, just got back earlier today. So I'm still a little bit like vacation. Like I was in the desert this morning. Like, I'm just like, I can't believe you're doing this podcast. Oh my God. Well, thank you. (laughs) Um, but I had this like, I just like remembered this book that I read about this gang of 
people that like had that like break into some couple's house while they're camping and they're like or not camping the same thing I was doing like staying in like an Airbnb and like a naturey kind of place and they're like we have to kill you we all have to like kill you or like maybe kill your kid or something and then like all also kill ourselves because otherwise like God, like we're on a mission from God and like otherwise like God is gonna like kill everyone in the world and we're all gonna go to hell so like we have what? to do it through but it's like in the book it's real they're not like psychos what book is that I can't remember the name of it I'm gonna maybe I'll google that too because I read the 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 guy who wrote it wrote a really good book that's like a new exorcist type of book about a girl who's sister gets possessed by the devil it kind of reminded me of a combination of like the exorcist and um we have always lived in the cat the we have always lived in the castle the um shirley jackson book it's like a combination of those it's oh my god and then so i read his other book and it was that okay by the end of the episode i'll tell you what i'll tell you what both of them are called but it was like i just forgot i mean if you had asked me like right now i can't remember that guy's name or the or like anything else about that other book that I read and I would have no recollection that this murdering people going camping book even existed it just like came back like oh yeah like I read all of these books and was like into this writer for a minute and then just like no idea yeah it's uh it's kind of staggering to think about all of the books that you'll forget it makes me sad like like I I don't know. I wish I could remember like everything I like read or watch, just, like, especially books. Like I, it makes me sad that I read them and forget about them. Yeah. It makes me sad too. But then I also think like, I think about the lingering feeling or like, <laughs> like the hits from whatever that piece of art is like the book or the movie or whatever like what sticks with me and sometimes I don't remember the plot in any great detail but I know the way that it like made me feel or I don't know I I I hold on to weird specifics and then I always do like to re-watch stuff I wish I could re-watch everything me too and reread everything and just like yes. I, I need think to about things I read when I was like 20 and I'm like, oh, I, w- I want to reread that. Cause it's like, all I remember is like the feeling that the book gave me and like, you know, like, oh, oh yeah. I know it's about X, Y, and Z and oh yeah, this thing happens. But I have just the absolute worst memory for stuff and I completely forget. Okay, here, but I got it. The author's name is Paul G. Tremblay. I thought you were going to say Paul G. Amati. Amati. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so cool. That'd be amazing. He's highlight moonlighting as some uh, like philosophical like genre writer. Guy who writes books about like, I don't know, the devil. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, what was that book called that you read? Okay, the one that I was thinking about, it was called The Cabin at the End of the World. And that's the one that I just like completely forgot all about. And then the one that I remembered was called <laughs> Head Full of Ghosts. Head Full of Ghosts? Yes. All right. They were both good. I remember Head Full of Ghosts was my recommendation. But the other one came back when I was in a cabin. So, you know. 
Yeah, that that is cool. Paul G. Tremblay, you are going on my list at the library. Put them on the list. I'm putting them on the list. I'm reading some book called Lock Every Door. Have you heard of this? No. Um, by a writer, Riley Saker. It's like a, I don't know. Is it new? Of, yeah, I think it came out like a year ago or something. I think I, yeah. I put, I put it on my library hold list and it just became available. One of those where there's like, there are 276 people yes that's it's always hard to get like a new release or like a something hot yeah and it's like i have to read this whole book in three weeks you do i just decided rant because then i look through like old classics and it's like oh what do they have in an ebook it's like oh i'll read confessions of an english opium eater (laughs) i know the it's like so exciting when you see what you can just like get on your phone for free whenever you want it's amazing it's so amazing um yeah, yeah I'm reading a, I'm actually doing a reread of something that should never be reread is it Twilight uh, it's no that's like on permanent rotation it, or in my heart um <laughs> um the Royals by Kitty Kelly you love Kitty Kelly I love Kitty Kelly I'm obsessed with her I gotta get on that train with you She's very salacious, but just, she only, she's never been successfully sued by any of her subjects, but they've all, I mean, she's, they've all tried, but she doesn't publish anything that's false and she doesn't make any claims. She just lays out the facts as they're told to her and that's it. Like I, there's an example she gave in an interview that I watched of her, a C-SPAN interview where she said, for example, I never said in my book that Nancy Reagan had an affair with Frank Sinatra. All I said was that Nancy Reagan had an appointment with Frank Sinatra in the residence for four hours and didn't accept any calls from anyone, including her husband. Make of that what you will. I'm just <laughs> saying what the social secretary told me. <laughs> Which to me, and like, she's such a bitch. <laughs> she's and the way she structures these things I understand why no one wants someone to her to write a book about them but she's really good at being like extremely bitchy it's an art form when they do it right (laughs) hey yeah (laughs) yeah anyway they mean we <laughs> royal fever you know i had to get to the bottom of the royal family again Did you get to I, the bottom yeah to get to the bottom of the story with the royal family and i had forgotten everything i read in that book because and when you're out the other so <laughs> i'm back well, at it i mean keep that book handy and you'll be i'll always be able to always be an expert on them on them on the royals yeah <laughs> <laughs> um do you like the conjuring too do i like it 
I'll say this. I definitely liked it more this time than I did the first time I saw it. It's another one like Annabelle, I think has a very strong start. Mm-hmm. It starts with like inside the like iconic windows of Amityville that look like eyes, but you never see that from the out inside. You always see it from the outside and you're like spooky, but you're like in it and it's very like warm and seventies, but also scary. Cause you know where it, you like immediately know what it is. Oh yeah. I noticed that because we mentioned in the first one with the conjuring that it it's goes from like the deep inside of the house. And then like you see the car pull up and all that. And I feel, yeah. I think with the Amity, like it, it starts like zoomed all the way out and then it, or zoomed all the way in or something. And then it goes like inside the house and then like those windows are revealed yeah it's like it's in I think it's always in I don't know I just I I don't remember but like you're in this like iconic house or whatever and you know okay I think the story is a little bit less interesting I think the movie is kind of boring yeah I am right there with you I never like it in things like this when we go across the pond. I don't want to travel. I don't want to go anywhere. Like I want to be in the good old USA with the Warrens. I don't want to know about this Einfield. I don't want to see like a montage of like 70s London with like Like. London calling. (laughs) Like like, I don't need it. Like that was bad there are some bad choices that get made I agree with you Irene I mean I understand I got to I was actually watching with Brian he was like why he's like why do we need this like do we not understand what London is he's like and I was got defensive and I was like it's a period piece it's just they're saying it's the 70s London and he was like okay but he was right and I was it wasn't good I just was like this is my work that is so funny because I watched it with Griffin and there were other parts of the movie that like he was really making fun of and I was like okay (laughs) like I don't need your criticism right now of The Conjuring 2 okay this is a perfect movie and if I agree with you I'm not gonna say it right now (laughs) it is the perfect it is it is the perfect movie it's the ultimate movie um it's but there are things definitely to laugh at in the movie it's yeah it's not it's not a perfect movie it's um yeah I mean so I wasn't I was cringing at the London calling I was I mean I guess I was laughing at any the same things I always laugh at like when Lorraine is like oh, I hope this is the closest to hell I ever get and stuff like that. Yeah. Most of it, I just thought was kind of a snooze. Yeah, definitely. And lots of walking down hallways. Yes. Um, lots of jump scares. Did this movie come out before or after the Babadook? 
Oh, great question. Let's. I'm asking because. Two years before. So Conjuring 2 came out in 2016 and the Babadook LGBTQIA plus icon came out in 2014. Uh, interesting. Okay. Why? What are your thoughts? I just thought that the tall man, whatever, who comes out of their little toy. The crooked man? The crooked man reminds me a little bit of the Babadook. Yeah, he's like a more Muppety kind of cartoonish. He's like a child's character from a book, or but in this case, it's from like a... Like a zoetrope. Weepy, yeah, zoetrope. Is that what you called it? Yeah, with the pictures that spin around. Yes. Is that Francis Ford Coppola's production company? Yeah, I think it's American Zoetrope. Well, yes. The Crooked Man comes out of a zoetrope to give you the fright of your life. (laughs) To give you the what of your life? (laughs) I would be scared if the Crooked Man was chasing me down a hallway. I'd be scared. Well, yeah, definitely. But honestly, if anybody chased me down a hallway, I'd be scared. I wouldn't like it. He comes out of a nursery rhyme too. Like there was a crooked man in a crooked house. Which is just not something that I think as a child, you would ever want to like sing or say or participate in. But I don't know. There's a lot of creepy children's stuff. Yeah, all like British like nursery rhymes or fairy tales. Like it would be kind of interesting. I mean, I guess they're not like folklorists, they're demonologists, but if the Warrens did like investigate, you know, like, oh, there's this folk legend where if you say it over and over again, it releases the demon inside like a bloody mary or something yeah like a bloody mary or like this like the slender man is like the internet version of that yeah so it makes sense that like the crooked man would be that but they didn't really go into any of that oh yeah the crooked man also was kind of a slender man vibe as well definitely more in the illustration than when he came to life So, okay, so the Warrens go across the pond because there is a family with, like, a mom, no dad, a bunch of kids, and they're haunted by some poltergeists. Yeah. And they, like, go across the street. They call the cops. The cops are like, it's a ghost. The neighbors are like, it's a ghost. Everyone is, like, on board. Yeah, everybody agrees that it's a ghost. And they did like a kind of like a mockumentary thing where they like fake interviewed the police. They're like, the chair moved across the floor. Which I think <laughs> like really, I think that might really exist or something like it. Like the there are police who were like, yeah, we saw this. I don't know what they were up to, but that I like this all kind of is in the realm of something that really happened. Yes, there was a case um, in England uh, called the Enfield. Uh-huh. 
poltergeist mm -hmm. and they did have the cops come and a police constable said that she saw a chair wobble and slide across the floor and they dim they do show that in the movie that's like when the movie's fun and it's like whoa is this is yeah. this haunted or what because the little girl like did it made a homemade ouija board don't do it don't, don't do it ouija board guys they were um we mentioned it with like that the the conjuring did it in like a really elegant way and then annabelle like went for kind of that like a like rosemary's baby nostalgia and this felt like it was exorcist nostalgia yeah this definitely had like a little bit more of that and then obviously like poltergeist is in there yeah. too a little bit like there's a lot of tv stuff um she's homesick and trying to watch tv and like the poltergeist is like an old man who like wants to change the channel oh that was a really fun scene i thought that was a scary scene it was scary and just the idea that like there is this old man he's like this is my house like, like that's I scary want to watch the telly i don't think he really says that but that's his mo yeah he's an old fellow and he just wants to watch the tv and he died in a leather chair that they, they kept. threw out which is crazy i mean i don't know you don't keep furniture that somebody dies in that is just no. how i feel that's like my own code of ethics i feel like that's a good like rule like even if you are a single mom living in like council housing or whatever and you're like you know I don't know where her furniture came from. I mean, do you need the chair there? I would rather just, we don't have a chair. We don't have a chair. But on the floor, we have a couch and the floor, that's it. Sorry, girls. Yeah, no one chair fits. Also the chair is like way back in the corner where like no one would probably sit. Like if you were all hanging out as a family watching TV, no one would want to be in that chair that's like behind the couch. You'd be no. like- <laughs> you don't kind of creep that anyway you'd be like i'm in the back no one's looking at me like i could see if maybe like you just like you were doing your um like your word your crossword yeah like, you need oh, this is my i i do i i don't know whatever like men write down in a paper yeah i don't know mm. i'm not a fan of the chair no the chair was creepy this the scene where he was like playing grab the remote the ghost was playing grab the remote very scary but like towards the beginning of the movie they also did this sleepwalking thing which they did in the first conjuring but they had the little girl like sitting in the chair so she's she's like I don't know, getting seduced by the demon that's possessing the ghost that lives in her house. Yeah, so I feel like the mythology with this stuff is always sort of complicated, but to make it simpler on myself, I always just remember in the world of the Warrens, there's no such thing as a ghost and everything that looks like a ghost is actually a demon trying to steal your soul that needs to be defeated with the Lord. Sorry, something just made a noise outside my window and I got really scared, but it's almost certainly nothing. Um, so I think the ghost of the man 
is the demon? I think because at, there's a point where the old man like is talking about like being overtaken by the ghost and there's something where like Warren I almost called her Elizabeth Warren Lorraine Warren <laughs> by <Lit> <laughs> when she's like talking to the man and he's like he's like I thought my family would be here but they're not here and it's like he I was like my take on it was that the ghost was possessed by the demon well so I once wrote a review of a play <laughs> called Legion and it was the sequel to the exorcist written by paul beady bleedy william peter blatty blatty it's the sequel to the exorcist which became and exorcist three right the movie it was i don't know if it was in the movie i don't i don't know what movie it would have been but it was that it was the book after the exorcist and the idea it like examines the thing that possesses her and the exorcist mm -hmm. and the demon is like several demon it's like lots of souls it's like there are a lot and I think she's in the movie and in the book she's like oh we're all in here like lots of us are in here and then in the second one he's like oh the idea is like the demon is a lot of souls like all kind of cramped together like the demon is like possessing souls and as he possesses them they join him and like they are legion so I feel, I don't know if this is a demon no. thing that always happens, but it kind of felt like the same vibe. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. And that makes, makes sense for why the demon is so hungry for souls. If he's trying to like add to his legion yeah. of souls. And then any of them can like come forward and he can like embody. That's why when them. Yeah. That's why like, they can like speak Latin or like do all this stuff or because he has like access to this like catalog of souls that he's like possessing. So a demon really is like a hard drive. Yeah. It's the net. <laughs> it's the internet. And <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> oh my God. What if the internet is the antichrist? I think that we have stumbled on to something. I mean, come on now. It's cataloging all of our souls. It's taking all of our information. It's able to impersonate us. It's we're going to get deep faked. And it's turning us all like kind of against each other. Everyone's like always fighting with each other on the internet. And the whole thing about the Antichrist is like, it comes and you're like, this is great. I love this. And like, we don't even think about the internet and like, it's such a utility. Meanwhile. But then who knows, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's the internet. Yeah. I mean. The Conjuring 4. Just the Conjuring 4 colon the, the internet is the antichrist <laughs> i think we have something here did yeah. you see that movie upgrade by the way no so upgrade was made by 
Lee Wannell, who did Invisible Man with um, Peggy from The Office, Elizabeth Moss. Do you know what I'm talking about? I did. I did see that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he started off as partners with James Wan, who we know from the Conjuring series. Yep. So, so Lee Wannell and James Wan did Saw together, and then they worked on Insidious, and he directed and wrote I think I'm not checking this. This is off the top of my noggin. All right. He, he made this movie called Upgrade that is really fun. So okay, here's what it's about. It's about a guy who he's like all analog. He loves his he loves like driving his own car, and his girlfriend is like all about the conveniences <laughs> of technology. And so she's I think like, so is it in the future where there's self-driving cars. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the girlfriend is like, we have a self-driving car. It's awesome. So, and he's like, I'm not so sure about this. So they go out for a night on the town Mm -hmm. and something happens. The car glitches. They end up in a bad neighborhood. She gets killed. He has part of his spinal cord severed. And this is all, this is like the setup of the movie. He goes to the doctor and the doctor says, we have these like nano computers that we can put in your spine and it will heal your spine and does that sound great it's experimental and the guy's like yeah that sounds awesome mm-hmm. but it's not that mm-hmm. simple oh my god because he gets it's, upgraded he got upgraded and that thing was it's like sentient you think you wanted the upgrade but you actually don't you don't i don't think you do no not like that anyway not if it's going to be bad. Anyway, the devil's in the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we real okay. So you guys, see, this is what people come to this podcast for. Like, I mean, what a theory. What a revelation. <laughs> we're coming up with answers left and right. We are. We're, we definitely are. Um, how was the play, Legion? I enjoyed it. I'm not sure if... I don't remember because I, this was a very long time ago when I was writing theater reviews in Chicago. I don't even know if we were friends yet when I was still doing that. Well, um, was that when you saw Annie or was that? Yes. You came with me to Annie. You yes. came with me. Yes. And I saw like blue man group. Um, yes. But I also saw like a lot of like. thing. I just saw a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, but this was one of the better shows that I saw for sure. And I remember it was pretty good, I think. Um, I don't remember. I think it was adapted by the theater company. I don't think that he wrote the play. I think it was just based on the book. I'm not totally sure. Um, But I remember it was pretty good. Well... That sounds cool. And I appreciate um, having a new way to think about the demons because this whole time I was like, the devil possessed the ghost. And God, if your ghost can get possessed, uh, truly. Because there's always the idea that like, like when you think about the exorcist, the demon overtakes her body, but like the concept of her soul still exists inside of her body. And I always sort of visualized it in a way that like the soul gets really small and it's like hiding in some little pocket 
like behind the gallbladder where like the devil is overtaking you. And do you remember that scene in The Exorcist when the um, priests go into her room and it's so cold and she's like, and they like lift up her shirt and uh, it says, help me on her stomach. Yeah. So amazing. But I feel like to, to a certain extent, like the body plays a role in the, in the possession. Like you have to, you have to have a body to get possessed. Yeah. See, I guess that's kind of part of what's so confusing. Cause it's like, I don't really know what the, what the devil wants in that case. Cause it's like, they want your body, but they're, he like wants to kill you and take your soul. Yeah. Something with your body too. Like make yourself, make you like fuck yourself with a cross and like be a bitch and like what? I don't get it. I think it's like diminishing. It's like, it's, it's spirit breaking. Yeah. And like making the spirit so small or so like fractured or whatever that it like absorbs it up. Is it also like desecrating like God's creation? Cause like we're made and God made humans like in his image. So if the devil possesses you and makes you do all this fucked up stuff, then he's like, see he's fucking God up. Yeah. Cause he hates God so much. Yeah. That makes sense. I've never thought about it like that before, but that definitely makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, get inside his head and understand like what makes him tick because I don't, re- I don't fully get it. The devil. You're talking about getting inside a demon's head. Yeah. And okay. So there are multiple demons in the conjuring universe, just like in the real world, there's multiple demons. <laughs> mm, yeah. Like this one is, is named Valak. And Valak is like the primary antagonist of the world. Like, the yeah. worlds, right? And it's like, I want more. Yes, because I think the nun is Valak. Yes. The but Bathsheba, I do not believe. I think her. I think she was Bathsheba. Or is that, she possessed by Valak? I don't think that Valak plays any role in the first one. Hmm. And you hear the name for the first time in the second one. Mm-hmm. Wait, in Annabelle? Oh no, I'm sorry, in Conjuring Two. In the Conjuring. But Valak, aka the Nun, pops up in the beginning of Conjuring Two in Amityville. That's when they first see the Nun. Yeah, uh, Lorraine and- has like a vision of the Nun. That's right, and in the basement. Then- and then he Our is like painting high. it. Yeah, he's like, oh babe, like look at the art I made. Like, and comes she's like, like <laughs> it's uh, like a sunny morning, and she like comes in. He's like got like fresh or OJ on the counter, and he's like, I was just I couldn't get this out of my head, and I'm working on it. And it's like the nun. <laughs> <laughs> and then like she goes in his art room and it's like all these demons. I was like, he mm-hmm. needs more gray paint. Like I know, and he's like, but he's like hung his painting on the wall <laughs> of the nun that he like just made. And then the nun is like, oh good, something for me to like make my eyes glow. <laughs> yeah, and like push at you and like run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that so valid. 
I loved all the scenes in their house. I love their house. The Warren's house is like, I just think is such a cool location. And they're, I love the wallpaper in their hallway. Oh yeah. It's prominently featured. Three. Oh yeah. And it was featured a lot in this movie too. The nun gets some, um, some nice scenes in that hallway. <laughs> yeah. The, the nun is admiring the wallpaper too. Yeah. Like Lorraine, you've got such Ooh. great haze. Who's your decorator? <laughs> Did they tell you to put up this picture of me that I'm using to that I'm gonna throw at you? No, we just have cement walls at the Abbey. <laughs> she <laughs> We're going to the Abbey next week, I believe, right? Is it next week? We I thought it was I thought maybe Annabelle Creation. Yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself because I already watched Annabelle Creation as well. You did. Did you watch Annabelle Comes Home already? <laughs> No, but I'm looking forward to it. I think that's the best Annabelle. And that was one of the last movies I think I saw in the theater. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow. The last movie I saw in the theater was Greed, that movie with Steve Coogan, the Michael Winterbottom movie, where he's oh. playing like, like, a, like the guy who owns Zara and it's his birthday. Oh, week. right. He's really bad. I remember this. Yeah, it was a pretty wow. good movie. And then I was, it, it, um, he's like, the guy's like a fast fashion, like, m- m- like billionaire. And mm-hmm. the movie ends up talking a lot about like fast fashion. And there's a montage of like workers and like statistics and how it affects women so disproportionately to men and, you know, it's just like such an awful thing, but I guess, um, cause I was in England, which is how I saw it, but I guess there were all these issues with releasing it in the United States and they didn't want him to have that tag on the movie. That was what I heard. Yeah. I remember that movie was like going to come out and I wanted to see it, but then I guess I just forgot about it. I guess they didn't, they didn't release it here. I think it might be released or it might be coming soon, coming soon to a computer near you. The last movie I saw in the theaters was The Turning, which I think I already said on this podcast. It may have been on my other podcast. Um, Is that the turning of the screw? Uh, yes. But like from the the somebody's perspective? No, it's from the regular perspective. It's just, uh, it's, it was directed by this woman um who directed like a bunch of Marilyn Manson videos or something like she's like very like stylistic oh yeah and she did the runaways movie Sigismondi her name is um Floria Sigismondi yes um it was I'm it was the only time I've ever left a movie theater and had the impulse, which I didn't act on. It was a natural gut impulse that just came to me to ask for my money back. Really? I left and I felt like I shouldn't have had to pay for that. Whoa. Yeah. Which I've never felt that way without leaving any other movie. And I'll pay for absolute shit and pay handsomely for it. Because I, I love movies. I, I love bad movies. I like 
it, I'm, it's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Well, if anybody out there wants to watch The Turning or Greed, they're both streaming on Hulu. Perfect. I would recommend Greed. <laughs> it was really that bad? The Turning? Unfortunately, it was pretty bad. But, you know, whoever the main girl in it is, um, like, looks great. If you want to watch someone wearing, like, fun 90s outfits oh like i think it's like set in the 90s for no reason oh this is the one with mackenzie davis yeah and finn wolfhard yes stranger things finn wolfhard and yeah. the little girl from florida project yeah interesting all right all right i'm <laughs> not gonna lie i'm probably gonna check it out i mean look i I saw it probably opening weekend. I mean, like it's right up my alley, but I must say. So back to the conjuring two, <laughs> the dreary, unfortunate world of the conjuring two. This movie also is very gray and gross looking, which I understand it's set in England, which is kind of a gray country. Yeah, but, but really play it up. I actually thought that like the production design was really it's like dreary. Like that is the best word for it. And I personally do not like when like cabinets have been distressed. It's like the whole I don't know, it it's felt over like, the top. Like the, the top wall, like the weird. wallpaper was peeling on everything. Like yeah. nothing has a fresh coat of paint on it. But it's like so overly painted to look like it's not painted. It's like yeah. I don't when, like would that have looked convincing on film because it, I don't understand why you would do that. Do you know what else I felt like this about? Was that movie The Little Things with um Denzel and Jared Leto and Rob Malik. I don't know this movie at all. Oh, it's on HBO. And Jared Leto, I guess, is nominated for. Oh, right. Oh, well, you know, I'm like my <laughs> my New Year's resolution was not to watch any new movies this year. I love that. Which I'm not 100% sticking to, but I'm just not seeing stuff. Like, I'm not seeing everything this year i'm just seeing stuff if i want to i think that that is how everybody should operate and i think that that's a very liberating perspective i just think it's crazy how i i always thought that was a natural how i was living my life oh i watch what i want to watch but i didn't i watched what i had to what i thought i had to watch which was everything which yeah. is crazy i can't do it anymore i'm gonna no. be a normal person and i'm not gonna watch all this stuff I just because people talk about it on Twitter. Yeah, doesn't mean you don't have to watch it. You don't have to engage with it. That's why I'm not watching the W-O-O-D-Y-A-L-L-E-N series. Yeah, I, me too, because I've done that. I've down that road. Recycle this shit every five years. I can't. I can't do it anymore. I can't. I can't do it anymore. Okay. No. I can't do it. Okay. I mean, like, start a new cycle about Amy Winehouse or something. Like, I, 
give you like give me more just do Epstein again I would take I would take 10 times every time you want to do that just do Epstein I want to hear about that more tell me the same thing over and over again yeah in different ways get Bill Clinton arrested somebody's got to do it somebody's got running out of time yeah let's put Trump in jail I want to see a parade of freaking men in handcuffs put them together in a gilded cage no, not even gilded. <laughs> a regular one. Put them in the nun's abbey. Oh my God. Make them be haunted by the nun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's a question for the here's a question for the table. Okay. If an evil person, let's say an Epstein or like a Bill Cosby or whatever, like let's say they get possessed by a demon. Because the the demon absorbs that soul, like the demon's absorbing all these good souls, like all these innocents, like the little girl in this movie who's possessed by the demon. But Mm -hmm. like, what if the demon sets its sights on some like sociopath? Okay, I already know the answer to this. Oh, does that make the demon like a super demon? No. Tell me what happens. We're all washed in the blood of Christ. I think. I don't know. I'm Jewish, but (laughs) I feel like because everyone can repent to Jesus, like everyone while you're alive has the ability to be like forgiven. So everyone is like equally innocent to God, even if you're a sociopath or like evil. So to the devil, it's like all the same. And to God, it's all the same. Wow. That is, I think that that is the right answer, but it's not the answer that I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm trying to just think like, what would Ed and Lorraine Warren say? And that's what I think they would say something along those lines. No, I think that you're, I think you're totally right. Um, Yeah. The possibility to repent and be saved is that's like the great beauty and power of Jesus Christ. Yeah, like that's the power of Jesus. <laughs> so like, you know. <laughs> so if Jeffrey Epstein in his cell, what if he was visited by Valak? What, Val- like, what if the nun like walked by and she like put the security guards to sleep? Oh my God. He was like, I think he had help from Valak way before he was in the jail cell. Like, Jeffrey knew Valak. And Valak knew Jeffrey. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Were you surprised to see um, Run Lola Run in Conjuring 2? Irene, I don't think I've seen that movie in 20 years. Maybe it's time to watch it. You know what? I watched a movie last night that I haven't seen in almost 20 years. What? It's that, did you ever see this Catherine Briott movie called Fat Girl? Oh my God, Irene. Yes. When I saw that movie. I do not want to watch that movie. No. Well, I'm not telling you to watch it. But I hated that movie with such a fervent passion. I think I talked about this and I think I knew that about you. (laughs) (laughs) 
it really bothered me in a very profound way. And I watched it again last night and like, you know, I was thinking about the ending, of course, at the beginning of the movie. And I was like, oh, and like, it just made sense to me in a different way. And also, I don't know, I'm like a woman now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny how like movies, it's crazy how much like your perspective of like what a movie means changes as you get older and they all become way more like manageable I think like no idea seems that lost like big to me and no one seems like that much of a genius and everything and things make so much more sense and I feel like the things that I used to think were cool are always the opposite and the things that I used to think were stupid are always really good yeah but also your younger self did like cool things and I'm sure you also have the experience of being like of like rediscovering something you were into when you were younger and being like oh that was neat that I liked that when I was I don't know 14 or something I mean usually when that happens and I'm trying to come up with an example as I do this but usually I realize what it was actually about and I was wrong I mean, I'm still, I, like, I, I think I was interested in things for like, their like aesthetic value, like almost exclusively when I was younger. And then I assumed that everything had like a much deeper and more profound meaning that like, I had to be like constantly searching for. And I just don't watch I just don't consume things or like interact with things the same way anymore. Yeah. That's why I think it's good that, I don't know, that we were like that. Yeah. It's, it's good to overthink things a little bit, especially when you're younger and like figuring out what you like and it's, it's good to be wrong too. And I think that's what's uh, what you're talking about. Or my, did you listen to that Jamie Loftus podcast, the Lolita podcast? Uh, I listened to the first couple of episodes of it. I haven't listened to the whole thing. She has an episode on the Tumblr culture around like Lolita aesthetics mm-hmm. and specifically talks about how this whole like generation of girls were exposed to the idea of Lolita through like tumblr and these kind of disconnected images and then as they get older they actually read the book or you know engaged with it in like an adult mature way and realized the disconnect between like what they were seeing and what it was actually about yeah yeah I mean I definitely understand that I mean like I never read Lolita until I was in college because when I was younger, it was like, I didn't, I didn't, it was the same thing. Like, I didn't like the type of girl that loved Lolita. I was like, they're stupid. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. don't know. And then that was another book where like, I just hap. I mean, I didn't just happen to, but like the writing is so beautiful. It's like the most beautiful like prose I've ever read. So I feel like I didn't understand it. And then I read it. I kept rereading it because I just found it so pleasurable to like read the language, like read just the writing. So I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of like 
I, I feel like I never went down that road because I feel like I read it like over and over again until I got it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes but sense. But I definitely was like, not like crystal clear on it. Like at first. No, I mean, yeah, it's a lot to, <laughs> it's a lot. There's a lot of levels mm-hmm. to kind of pick through with that. Yeah, it was it was interesting like rewatching that fat girl movie. Um I definitely don't hate it and I have an appreciation for it that I don't think that it, I would have had like 24 hours ago. I think that was one that like I don't remember it super well, but I think I I think I was like fuck yeah like this movie like I get like like I think I was like really I like I liked it but I definitely only saw it like one time and then now I'm like I don't ever want to I just don't want to do I just don't want to do it (laughs) yeah you know what I mean we're like I don't need to yeah no I know and also yeah things that I was repulsed by the first time. Like I still was really repulsed by it. And I remember feeling like she's a massage. Catherine Briott is a misogynist and a sadist. Like, Mm -hmm. and I watched it again. It's like, well, I don't necessarily disagree with myself. Really, (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty fucked up movie to put a little girl in. Yeah, that's true. And I don't think that we would accept that from a man. No, certainly not. So that's my review of Catherine Briott's 2001 film. (laughs) (laughs) I started to rewatch There Will Be Blood because I think the first time I saw it, I was like, I have to see this. (laughs) And then I just like went and saw it. And then I left and I was like, okay, check it off. I saw it. I liked it, but I just felt like, I don't know. And I was like, I should have been more invested in that. So I started to watch it again. And then I was like, I can't get, I can't do this right now. And I just like turned it off. So I don't know, maybe I'm just like, my attention span is just not there for rewatches, except unless they're conjuring. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I don't know if the opportunity to see that movie in a theater came up, I would, I would love to see that. Because I felt like that too. And it's like, I remember with Phantom Thread, we've talked about this too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, um, I felt mostly like agitated by that movie, but I do think that it's, it was just like, I was having a visceral response to it and it did get in the way of me enjoying it. Um, so now that I know that I felt like that, I won't feel like that if I watch it again, but I never watched it again. It's like movies don't come out when you need them to, they just like come out and it's like, you see it now, or you never see it. And it's like, maybe it's not the right time for me. I know. (laughs) And it's like, why this is so not on topic, but why is, does LA have so few actually good, like repertory theaters? It's not a revival theaters or whatever. Like why? Like we have one or two, if you don't count the Egyptian, which I don't really like now that it's owned by Netflix 
Yeah. And also I just, I don't know. I was just talking to Brian about this. Like, I feel like at the Egyptian, it's always like some big to do. It's never like, here's what we're doing tonight. It's always like, this someone's giving a talk and you get take, you know what I mean? It's always like a, not yeah. always, but it's often like a thing. Yeah. I feel like most of those, those repertory shows, like there is some sort of, there's like programming involved. Yeah. Cause they're, cause Egyptians, the American Cinematheque, and they also do the Arrow Theater. Yeah. Is that, or the New Beverly. I mean, I feel like the New Beverly is the one that's like still really doing it. I really miss Cinefamily. I'm so upset about Cinefamily. You know, I worked there. I know you did. When I was in high school before it was Cinefamily. When it was was a silent movie theater. Yeah. And we were all in like a little network. Like it was like us and like the New Beverly and like, I was really young, but like everyone who worked there, like knew they all like knew each other. And like everybody was like really weird. It was like all these like just like super creepy like old guys, like old LA guys that have just like been in town, just like are from here and are like just do that. I don't know, and none of them do it anymore. Yeah, and then Cine Family, which. I mean, I went to, but I always was like a little bit resentful of because I thought it was like too like cool and douchey and I wanted it to be like gross and shitty and like lame and like that was what I wanted from that theater. And then now it's like some weird thing. I don't even know what it is. They've like totally ruined the building. It's like completely painted white. Why are we talking about this? People who don't live in LA will not know what we were talking about. No, I guess not. Well, no. just something to be aware of, guys. Cine family. Times are changing. <laughs> they are. Um, I do like that we started, and I know we're like coming towards the end, yeah. uh, by talking about like rewatching things. That's the theme of this episode for sure. Yeah. We had it's two goals with this one. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Rewatching sequel renewal revisiting rebirth what were you gonna say (laughs) I was gonna say the two things were like one exploring the idea of rewatching, and two figuring out how demons work yeah and I think we made a lot of good progress on that and next week we're not going to be talking about a movie we're going to be talking about ephemera around the universe specifically the Warrens. Yes. The Warrens, the, some of the, the non conjuring Warren movies, mm-hmm. one in particular. Um, yeah. And everything that we're going to be talking about everything, Warren odds and ends. And 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 it's actually going to be really fun I think and I'm excited I think it's gonna be so much fun I feel like we've been dying to do this from episode one yeah definitely and I'm I can't wait yeah (laughs) (laughs) me neither um all right uh is that it I think so okay well that was the conjuring (laughs) too I hope you enjoyed it (laughs) um sorry this is late yeah, that, it's my fault. This is late. It's kind of both our fault in our own way. But mostly mine. <laughs> well, also mine. I went out of town. Um. Anyway. That's it.
Okay, thanks for listening, you guys. Gonna trust the experts on this one. Yeah, you know me, it's sick, ain't no fun. Open up your mouth, stick out your tongue. Gonna trust the experts.